Hello, and welcome back to The Gathering. In today's episode, we are going to go over two of the new Commander decks coming out. going to do a little bit more in-depth view into what we are to expect and some of my opinions on them. So please sit back, relax, and enjoy. So to start off first here, I wanted to cover two in an episode uh, do two in a second episode and then do one in uh, a final episode to go, you know, do justice for these uh, commander decks. I'm saving my favorite for last because that's probably the one I'm going to be talking about the most, so it makes sense to give it its own episode. Uh, the other four aren't in any particular order. They're just based off of what I clicked on first, truly. So the first two aren't the ones I'm going to think that are the worst or by any means anything along those lines. It's just the last one I do will be my favorite. And that's also why I'm going to save it for last. So to start us off, I'm going to cover the Black-Red-White Commander deck, which is Ruthless Regiment. The commander is Jarena Kudro. She is a Black-White-Red Colorless 3-3 Legendary Creature Human Soldier. When Jarena Kudro enters the battlefield, create a 1-1-White Human Soldier Creature token for each time you've cast a commander from the command zone this game. Other humans you control get plus 2, plus 0. So when I first saw this, uh, when we had a spoiler uh, prior to the packs being announced, or the, the, the decks being announced on what was going to be inside them, I had thought that they would put a little bit more into this deck to revolve around her ability of being able to create human soldiers whenever she enters the battlefield equal to the number of times she was in her command zone. So I thought there were going to be a little bit more bounce or blink or something along those lines, which is a little bit harder to do outside of blue. Uh, it is a little bit possible in white. So that's why I thought they'd maybe have cards in here to allow her to bounce back in and out so you can get that ability going multiple times. Uh, that's a little bit actually uh, insight into what I would like to do with that. So if I were to get this deck, I'd probably modify it to have a little bit of capability to bounce that commander in and out, even if it's just like tapping three on an artifact or something along those lines to return her to your hand and then replay her from your hand. You're not going to get the the increased amount from when she's not cast from the command zone, you'd have to have her die and be returned to the command zone or a card that says return her to the command zone to get more counters to get more humans as they come out. Regardless, that's what I would have or what I probably would do or will do with her. Uh, in general, though, she isn't too bad. I'm not too particular to to use her, so I'm not likely to buy this. If I came across her, I could probably build a different version of the deck involving her or if I did buy the deck, I would modify it. She will create 1-1 one, one humans uh, consistently throughout the game, and she'll boost up your humans, giving them that plus 2, plus 0, which is really good, especially if you have a human uh, token creation engine kind of going. This deck does heavily focus on humans, though, so her ability in general is good, and the fact that you're going to get more humans just from her being cast, or whenever she enters the battlefield, equal to the number of times she's been cast from the command zone. I do find her a little lacking, because uh, I expect a little bit more out of my commanders, but that could also be... The additional 99, needing a little bit more of a bounce or blink flavor in there to really uh, satisfy what I would like to see her do, which is very possible. If you get this deck and you modify it, that would, you know, be completely within reason. Some of the other ones here, you know, the kind of the top best cards that you're going to be getting out of here, they also could be potential, like the second one could be a potential replacement commander, so you could switch the commanders in and out. That's something else I also like to do, uh, is switching commanders with other cards in the deck that could be the commander. And so then it's not based solely around one commander, unless you have a deck that, you know, is, uh, which is completely fine. The second card is Castain the Plague, 
and they are black, white, red, 2-2 legendary creature, human assassin. So there's that human again. Uh, Vigilance haste, which is nice, being able to attack right away. When kissing the plague, gets plus one, plus one for each experience counter you have. And then the ability is tap. Kessin deals one damage to target creature you don't control. When that creature dies this turn, you get an experience counter. So destroying 1-1s on your enemy's field, stuff along those lines, is going to give you more experience counters than giving you uh, more plus 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 one plus 1s for the number of experience counters. I did say that you could switch them in and out for a commander, but I actually think leaving that as is is fine. This one could fail in different ways as a commander. It could work, uh, depending. I feel like you'd probably actually have to build a deck a little bit more centered around that uh, creature, around Kessin the Plague, to be able to get that you know, viable commander deck. Yeah, not too bad as a card. I could see it working very well when you're facing another token deck, for one, because one ones are the most commonly produced tokens. I don't know if that's, you know, fact, uh, but those are definitely the ones I see the most produced. Or another way is... If damage is dealt to a creature, that would leave them with one toughness. You can use him to kill them off to get your experience counter as well. The next one uh, is Tyrin, Champion of Freedom. It's a legendary creature, Human Soldier 3-3. It has partner with Silvar, Devourer of the Free, which is another card we'll go over here in a second. And it's at the beginning of your end step. If you attacked this turn, create a 1-1 white Human Soldier creature token. So you can see it's really starting to give you that human feel kind of like almost to overpower with humans is overpower with tokens i feel is the way this deck's going to definitely be going uh, you'll have an army of one ones they're not going to be able to block them out all and one ones add up quickly they always seem low but they end up adding up quickly so the one that she's partnered with is silvar devourer of the free is a black red three generic three colorless four two legendary creature is a cat nightmare and it has partner with her tyrene champion of the freedom it has Menace, and it has Sacrifice a Human, put a plus one, plus one counter on Silvar, Devourer of the Free. It gains Indestructible until end of turn. So that still isn't a human, but it does still play off of humans. And then when you have them partnered together, uh, when you cast one, you'll get the other by par partnering. When one's cast, it'll bring the other one to the hand for the one it's partnered with. Then we also have is Virian Rangers is a three drop, one white, two colorless, three, three. Human Scout, first strike. You may look at the top card of your library at any time, which is a very useful ability. I really enjoy cards that have that, you know, look at the top card of your library. It's always good to be able to know what's coming. Uh, that's why I really like enjoying playing with Scry as well. Uh, the secondary ability is as long as your opponent controls more lands than you, you may play land cards from the top of your library. And most look at the top cards of your library have something like that when it's a permanent. Uh, I think of other ones that are look at the top card of your library. If it's this, it does that. That's very common. Before we get into like the different mechanics and get a little bit more abstract or kind of step away view without talking about every single card I wanted to cover is the fact that it does have Naharai. And I haven't looked fully at all of them, but I think a Planeswalker, I think there's a Planeswalker in every one. And this is definitely something I had mentioned previously when the spoilers started coming out and we found out that commander decks are going to be based around uh, the Ikoria pack is I was hoping there was going to be cards that weren't from Strictly Ikoria, and I'm glad they didn't do that. It could have not even been the slightest possibility that they would. Uh, it is just something that I thought that might happen, and I'm glad that it didn't. So the Nahari, the Harbringer, is a white, red, two colorless. Four loyalty, plus two. You may discard a card from your hand if you do draw a card. Minus two, exile target enchantment, tapped artifact, or tapped creature. Minus eight, search your library for an artifact or a creature card, Put it on the battlefield and shuffle your library. It gains haste, return it to your hand at the beginning of the next end step. As far as Planeswalkers go, she's not the greatest. 
it, it will be nice to pull out any creature or artifact because this does have a decent amount of artifacts in it as well which kind of makes sense uh, having artifact equipments and stuff like that when you have humans to attach them to but that minus eight is kind of lackluster in my opinion it's nice to get that but it could definitely do more for minus eight i could see that being more of along the line of like a minus four ability and being the second instead of the the big the big minus ability so as we pull back a little bit here and get a little bit more general view this deck does deliver on being able to play off of your humans you get cards that'll be in here that'll allow your other humans or when you do something with humans to gain an additional ability you get stuff like the species specialist which is as it enters the battlefield you choose a creature type whenever you cast a creature of the chosen type or whenever the creature of the chosen type dies you draw a card you're when you cast something like that you're going to choose humans because whenever your humans die you're going to draw a card along with that they also have things that continue to play off of just having humans uh like calvary pegasus when calvary pegasus attacks each attacking human gains flying until end of turn and you're going to see that a lot throughout this commander deck you're going to see cards that are going to boost your humans to give them all the amount of power and then you're going to be swinging in to do as much damage as possible and the more you can boost them the better it'll be and that's definitely i feel like a core theme throughout this this commander deck is you're going to have things to produce your humans to play off your humans and then to power up your humans so it is going to be more it's not necessarily it's not aggro because it's probably not speed based um but it is aggressive it's going to be a little bit more of aggressive you're going to be focused on attacking more than anything i'm sure there's other ways to play in this deck that'll allow you to not necessarily win in the traditional way of just draining life but that doesn't definitely seems to be the main way that this deck is going to be playing is to drain life and to win by overpowering Another one I did definitely want to mention uh, is one of my favorite ones from previous pack. It originally came out of Avisian Restored, which is Ratters of Galvany. And Ratters of Galvany has that Choose Creature ability as well. That Choose Creature ability then is humans, creatures, you control, gain protection of creatures of that chosen type. I used to play it in a Modern. It was super good in Modern because you could have four of them, and I definitely ran four of them. And then whatever deck you're fighting, mostly is going to have more of one creature than anything uh, most of the time. So then you can give your humans protection from just about anything in somebody's deck, especially the things they're using the most of, which is very useful. Now pulling away a little bit away from the human, because it definitely focuses a lot on human, but it does not fail in the other aspects that you would expect in a deck. It does have good removal, and it does have good uh, defensive measures or, um, or more like protective measures for you. Some of the cards that they put in here include uh, Field Wiping. We got Cleansing Nova, which is destroy all creatures or destroy all artifacts and enchantments, which that's definitely good to have that option to choose between the two of them because uh, you never know which one you might need at the time of. It depends on the decks that you're facing. It also has things like Crackling Doom, which is another old uh, reprint of an old card. Uh, I actually used to use this card in modern in my modern days, which is eat, deals two damage to each opponent. Each opponent sacrifices a creature with the greatest power among creatures he or she controls. So it's not going to wipe the field, but it is going to take the highest power off of all of your opponent's field, which is nice because it also doesn't affect you. So you're not field wiping, but you're not hurting yourself in the process of hurting everyone else at the board. It is also nice uh, being red, 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 black, white. You get cards in here that are going to allow you to, to draw, which isn't as common in red and white because you have that black, you get uh, stuff like Painful Truths, which is you draw X cards and you lose X life, where X is the number of colors a mana spent to cast Painful Truths. So uh, that is one card that it'll hurt you if you want to cast for more colors, but it doesn't have to. But it's, in, it's a nice little, I mean, you, at most you're going to draw three, you lose three. But that's fine, truly. 
Now, as we look, we have some artifacts in here. I mentioned artifacts earlier uh, with like Nahari's ability to be able to pull artifacts. I still think pulling up your best creature is going to be the better option with her ability, but it doesn't fail in that artifact aspect. We get some signets in here. We get the Boros, the Orhav, and the Rakto signet, which will be each tap one to get two uh, colors, and it's two of the respective guilds coloring. Uh, that's definitely a cool way to have extra mana in here. Some mana rocks is always nice, but it also has cards like Heirloom Blade or Skull Clamp, uh, which Skull Clamp is super good. I hope all of these come with it because I would like to get Skull Clamp for some of my other decks, and I just haven't come across them very many times. Those are all going to be cards that are going to be additionally good artifacts that are going to help with your humans or help take advantage of those. So like with Skull Clamp, you equip a creature gets plus one, plus one, minus one. When equipped creature is put into your graveyard, draw two cards. So if you're putting out one, one humans, uh, it dies, goes to the graveyard, you draw two cards, which is nice. Along with the, uh, some of those other, some of the other good artifacts we got coming out of here that definitely are. We have more mana rocks, soul ring, necessity almost in any commander deck. It's a really good card. It's really, you know, a staple in commander. Most commander decks you'll see have that. Not all. Uh, and even when I say most, there's still going to be thousands of decks that won't have it. But a lot of decks are going to have it. And it seems to definitely be one that they push out with these, uh, all these newer commander decks or all these commander decks you're getting a soul ring most of the time. But we also get Arcane Signet and Commander Sphere, which I like these two because they're directly tied to your commander. And it is giving you mana of any color for your commander, and I really, really like mana rocks or mana in general that does that to give you the capability to use that for any color, especially in tri-color decks, it comes in very handy. Now lastly, I wanted to go into uh, what kind of mana we're seeing coming out of here, and there's a decent variety, because of course we're going to get the basic white, red, and black uh, regular lands, regular mana, but we're also getting different things in here. There's a plain land, I'm not too big on the pain land. But if, if that's something you like, you know, use it. It's good to have just all these extra options. Or you could find them to be useful in other decks. Uh, it's got Bloodveil Caves, which gain you life. I hadn't seen these ones before, but it is Spine Rock Knoll, Windbreast Heights. And they have the ability called Hideaway. They can tap for any of the color, which is red or white. They'll tap for that color. Or you can tap a red or a white for each respective mana. And you may play a removed card without paying its mana cost if an opponent was dealt dealt seven or more damage this turn and the removed card is hideaway this land comes into play tapped when it does look at the top car four cards of your library remove one of them from the game face down then put the rest on the bottom of your library so then if you get the seven damage dealt you can then use this ability to pull one of those cards which actually makes sense because this deck is going to be a little bit more aggressive you're going to be attacking and doing maybe more of that kind of damage we also get cards in here like command tower like just like those other mana rocks, anything that allows you to tap for your commander's color identity, I uh, am uh, strongly behind. I love those kind of cards. Now you get your generic kind of cards that usually will come. Uh, you get stuff like Nomad Outpost, which is just one of any color that is pretty much in the deck. That's pretty standard. Same with those other life-gaining ones specific to certain colors. It does come with some bounce lands, which is very nice. I had bought Bounce Lands in uh, in bulk. I had bought a decent amount of each of them, so then that way I can divvy them up to whatever decks in any what color combinations that I would ever need. This one comes with two, uh, and the best thing about this is compared to the other ones where it's tap one, you get these two colors. This is enters the battlefield, enters tapped. When it enters, return another mana to your hand, so you have to bounce a mana back. But then when you tap that from the, then on throughout the game, it's actually going to be tapping for two of those colors, and then you don't have to pay like those mana rocks did. Uh, so those are always very useful. 
and they come in handy. Uh, overall, I'd say this deck is uh, pretty good. Uh, not too bad. Definitely going to be human-focused. Definitely going to be focused on attacking hard, uh, trying to overpower your enemies with numbers rather than... It's more like quantity over quality. Even though there is a lot of quality cards coming in here, uh, the ability to have a crap ton of tokens to attack with is what you're going to really want to do. And then powering up all those tokens as well. I would edit this deck if I bought it. Uh, I recommend, if you get this, to edit it as well. Unless you know it's your first time playing Magic and you're just trying it out. Uh, get it. It's These commander decks are good feel if you want to get into commander. They're a good feel of how you would expect decks to generally be built. And then when you give it your own little spin on it, your own little your own little spice, you know, is when you're going to edit it a little bit. I would throw cards in here like Micaeus for the life gain based off humans. Uh, there's a card, I can't remember its name, from Theros, which is when it enters the battlefield, you get human tokens equal to your or equal to your devotion to white, and different things like that. Uh, all of these commander decks you definitely could make better, but they're all pretty good starting out. And they also all almost always will give you essential things you need for commander decks, like those tapping for any color in your commander's cost, uh, soul rings, mana rocks, anything like that. That is actually pretty good to have in a lot of different commander decks. So I always recommend to build, buy these, these pre-cons, even if you're going to edit them, you're going to get a lot of good cards out of here. And even if you tore it down, you could end up building different decks with the cards that come out of this, and it's always pretty good. I didn't go completely in-depth, in depth, but I definitely went a little bit more in-depth than I would have if I didn't decide to cover this to uh, two commander decks in an episode. Overall, I would rate this deck. I don't have a scale. We'll say bad, good, very good, really good, holy shit. Uh, I would rate this deck very good or somewhere in there like a very good 0.5 it's somewhere in the middle it does what it's supposed to do which is all you can really ask for from a pre-con if you built if you t bought this deck and then edited it or made it some edits to it i definitely think this could be a very good deck or a really good deck see i can't even remember my own tears but it's by no means bad i would probably buy it if i were to buy it which i would do for any of these when i do buy the ones i do get uh, I buy them, I try them out as is. That gives me an idea of seeing how it works, seeing if I want to keep it similar to the theme of how they built it, and then where I'm going to need my edits. So it's kind of getting a feel for what they are going for with it, uh, and then how you could improve upon it. It's a very good idea. If you want to know more about these commander decks, there's tons of people out there that cover different things involving them, and everybody covers everything in different ways. Uh, definitely familiarize yourself with it. If you want to look at the cards that come in these packs, I prefer to use Mythic Spoiler. Uh, whatever you like to use is what you like to use. Uh, I also do enjoy just going on Amazon and buying individual cards or looking up individual cards that way, so then I get the price right next to it. But if you're going to do that, TCG Player is the way to go. TCG Player is my favorite place for true pricing, which is what I call it, because some places are priced a little bit higher. Which I understand why they do that, but I just prefer TCG Player. So if you want to see the cards that are in this pack, and you want to see the price, uh, TCG Player, uh, Mythic Spoiler, uh, good places to come and look at what is going to be coming in these decks. So moving from that, uh, Commander, the next Commander we're going to cover in this episode as our second Commander deck is Gavi Nest Warden, which is the blue-red-white Commander deck. It is Timeless Wisdom. Uh, I had predictions on what each of the commander decks were going to be uh, based off of just their titles when that's all we had. And a little bit I was correct on, but I was wrong on a lot. 
So I'd probably say it was probably like 70, 30, 70 wrong, 30 maybe right. There might be some 10, 15% gray area in there. Who knows? <laughs> but uh, this one's a pretty easy one to cover in my mind because it reminds me of the morph deck from previous commander. Uh, it revolves around a specific ability, which most of the times your commander decks or especially pre-con commander decks are going to revolve around one thing more than others. Uh, I like to have a little bit of variety in, and I know a lot of other people do too, so mine doesn't necessarily need that one thing to work, but this is a deck that is going to be like that, where it's going to need that one thing to really work as a pre-con. The commander for this is Gavi, Nest Warden, uh, which I had already read, a derp a derp, uh, is a white, red, blue, two colorless, two five legendary creature human shaman. You may pay zero rather than pay the cycling cost of the first card you cycle each turn. Whenever you draw your second card each turn, create a 2-2 red and white dinosaur cat creature token. You can obviously tell what this deck is going to revolve around, and it's going to revolve around your cycling ability. And that's why I said it reminded me of the morph deck from the previous commanders, because the morph deck strongly revolved around you using your morph ability. Uh, that is, I didn't really need to explain it. That's kind of self-explanatory, but I digress. It definitely something that you're going to see happen a lot in this deck. There's a lot of cycling throughout here. And then whenever you draw your second card each turn, which would be when you get your cycle ability, you get to create a token, a 2-2 red and white dinosaur cat creature token, which is nice uh, to have that additional ability. I really like cards that when you do this, this happens as well on top of its additional things. So you're going to get a zero for your first cycle. And then from that first cycle, you're going to draw or get your token. So you're going to get a token every turn, every time you have your cycle, and this deck cycle heavy, so you're going to get it. So right off the top, the the higher up cards here, I would say, this one is not in English, let me click on it, uh, is a Kim, the Soaring Wind, is a white, red, blue, two colorless, and this could be a potential switch out for your commander. It might not work. Uh, actually, scratch that with cycling, that this is definitely not going to work. I don't know why I would say that. Uh, I'm stupid. Uh, so... Akim, the Soaring Wind, is a 3-4 legendary creature bird dinosaur, has flying. Whenever you create one or more tokens for the first time each turn, create a 1-1 white bird creature token with flying. So this one will definitely play off of your commander's ability, so that's definitely why they have it in here. This is actually a really good card to have with your commander. Uh, it has an additional ability. is white, red, blue, three colorless. Creature tokens you control gain double strike until end of turn. So that's another thing. It's probably going to produce a little bit more tokens. Probably not as much as the human deck or as fast as the human deck, but it's going to still have that. And then you're going to have additional abilities that go for those tokens. This one is pretty much paired for the commander. It's like perfectly set up to be with that commander. So I definitely think it makes sense. Uh, the partner card we have in here is Shabars. The Sky Shark is a white, blue, three colorless, three, three legendary creature shark bird. I really like these mutated mutant cards in here. They're really funny. Funny for me, I'll say, just because of the mutation names, it's a shark bird. I'm weird. Okay. It is partner with Braillian Sky Shark Rider. Rider of the Sharks. Cool. 3-3. Three, three, flying. Whenever you draw a card, put a plus one, plus one counter on Charbreeze, the Sky Shark, and you gain one life. Again, playing heavily off that cycling ability. Really good. Uh, it is a white or blue split car, uh, mana cost to activate. Target human gains flying to end a turn. Just a nice little additional ability. Uh, if you're creating humans, or if you have humans, it's going to be good to have. The card it is partnered with is Braillian, the Sky Shark Rider. Right off the bat is a 4-drop, 1-red, 3-colorless, three 3-3 three, three legendary creature human shaman. Partnered with the Shabars, the Sky Shark. Whenever you discard a card, put a plus 1, plus 1 counter on Braillian Sky Shark Rider, or Rider, and it deals 1 damage to each opponent. 
tap a red. Target shark gains trample until end of turn. I like that. Tar target shark gains trample. That's cool. Not a spectacular card. It definitely goes with its partner. I would probably pull these partner cards out if I got this deck when I modified it. I might leave it in. It kind of depends on how I would go, how I would go with the deck, how it's going to end up. But not a horrible card. Uh, definitely specific too, though. So it's not going to be universal for use. The last one on top is Cryptic Trilobite. XX, which means you have to tap two mana for each of the X's for how many X's. So if you tap four mana, the X's are equal to two. And that's how those work with those extra X's. We used to not know that when I was younger. I used to mess up that ability until somebody strained it out for me, uh, which is very useful to know. Cryptic Trailblade enters the battlefield with the X plus one plus one counters in it. And that's where that XX comes in important. If you paid four, you're getting a two, two. Plus, for the plus one plus one counters, because this is zero zero, so two two. And then it has remove a plus one plus one counter from Cryptic Trilobite, add two colorless. Spend this mana only to activate abilities, so it's only specific to activating whatever ability on a creature or permanent on the field. It also has one tap, put a plus one plus one counter on it, so you can refill those plus ones. Not the greatest, not the worst. Uh, with proliferation, that's a good card, uh, in my opinion. Now, I do have to go a little bit further down. Because there's two more cards, or a couple more cards that got put down here a little bit further that I wanted to touch specifically on that I think are really good that they put in here. We have Chandra the Flame Caller. Just like I was saying, I'm pretty sure there's a Planeswalker in every one of these decks. Chandra the Flame Caller is a six drop, two red, four colorless Planeswalker for loyalty. Plus one, put two red, three, one red elemental creature tokens with haste onto the battlefield, exile them at the beginning of the next end step. Zero, discard all cards in your hand, then draw that many cards, plus one. Minus X. Chandra the Flamecaller deals X damage to each creature. Good field wiper. It is in the form of damage, so it won't kill things that have indestructible, uh, but still a good way to get rid of cards, and if you use that X properly, you could maybe save some of your creatures, uh, but at the same time, you might be saving some of your opponents. It kind of is a hit or miss. Another card they have down here, the Locust God. This is a really good card. I use it in my blue-red uh, spells deck. Uh, it's going to go really good in this deck. Because its ability revolves around drawing, and cycling is in this deck, and it is heavy in this deck. Awesome that they put it in here, because if it wasn't in here, it is a must-have in here. It is a really good card for this deck. The Locust God is a 6-drop. Red, blue, 4 colorless, 4-4 four, four, legendary creature god, flying. Whenever you draw a card, create a 1-1 one, one blue and red insect creature token with flying and haste. And now you see why I say it's super important to have this in here, because it's so good with cycling. It's going to be amazing, because there's other draw abilities in here. And you're going to be pumping out tokens when you get the draw ability. With enough cycling and drawing, I think could outpace the tokens of the human deck. The human deck definitely seems to have a little bit more to, to make those tokens uh, a little bit faster. But this, I think, could be on par with it, if not greater, just on this card alone. Just the fact that you have to get it is a different story. It also has an ability as a red-blue two-colorless draw card, then discard a card. So you're going to get your token just off of its ability. Downside is you're going to be discarding a card. But if you have stuff to throw away, that's fine. And then when Locust God dies, return it to the owner's hand at the beginning of the next end step. So it's going to keep coming back. Overall, good card. Should be in just about any red-blue deck, I think. Especially because with blue, you're going to be drawing more. Super good. There's some other really good cards in here. Mythics, gold, stuff like that. They're good. Uh, but we're going to pull back a little bit. Now that I covered the biggest cards in here that I'd like to, to specifically cover. And as we pull back, first we got to talk about the giant elephant in the room, which is drawing. And that's what this deck does right, and not what it just does right. It will probably do almost perfect, because cycling is a huge draw ability. 
I've said it so many times in this episode or, or in, while covering this already, uh, but just in case anyone didn't know, which cycling is discard this card for its cycling cost, and then you get to draw a card. And that's why the commander is so good, because you're going to get one for free every turn. Even if it was a bigger cost, you're going to get it for free. Uh, the downside is you discard the card, but if you need, you don't need the card, it's fine to discard it. There is some good ones. I will just touch real quick on the one that's right in front of my face. Nimble Obstructionist is a 3-drop, 1-blue, 2 colors, 3-1. It has Flash and Flying. It's a bird wizard. It has that Cycling, but then it also has whenever you, or when you cycle Nimbus Obstructionist, counter-target activated or triggered ability you don't control, which is definitely really good for them to have other cards that are themed around Cycling. They definitely had that with the Morph deck. When you Morph this card, this happens. And this is when you cycle this card, this happens. So it's going to be really good, and it's going to play off well with all these other cards. But along with cycling, you do have other ability, other things that are going to be able to generate your draws that you need. They have things like the Asperia Supreme Judge, which is a creature. 6-4, flying. Whenever a creature attacks you or Planeswalker you control, you may draw a card. Boom, more draw power. Nivimazet Firemind, really good uh, draw card actually, is a 4-4 flying creature. Whenever you draw a card, Nivimazet Firemind deals one damage to target creature or player. So it's always going to be focused on that draw ability. The more you can draw, the better you're going to do. Because So like the last one focused all around humans. This one's going to focus about drawing. So the more you draw is the more likelihood for you to win. Because that's where you're going to be getting your most effective abilities out. Now as we pull back just a little bit further, we do have artifacts in here. It is not as artifact and heavy. It is definitely more enchantment heavy. It has its mana rocks, which are good. It has the signets, Azorius signet, Boris signet, is it signet? All good uh, artifacts. Regarding Crystal, which is tap for red, blue, or white. Always good with your artifacts. But as far as uh, the rest of the artifacts go, there isn't as many. Most of the artifacts, I believe, if not... No, because there is some artifact creatures. Most of the artifacts are going to be the mana rocks. Most of them, at least. But where it doesn't have artifacts, it has enchantments. And uh, these enchantments are actually really good. They do definitely go with cycling. A lot of them can. Uh, we have stuff like Drake Haven is an enchantment. Three drop, one blue, two colorless enchantment. Whenever you cycle or discard a card, you may pay one. If you do, create a 2-2 two -two bird. Going back to that draw and cycling. Uh, when New Perspective enters the battlefield, draw three cards. As long as you have seven or more cards in your hand, you may pay zero rather than pay cycling cost. That is a really good card for your cycling deck. Tetonic Reformation is a two-drop enchantment. Each land card in your hand has cycling, and it's cycling for one red mana. And lastly, we have whenever you cycle Astro Drift or cycle another card while Astro Drift is on the battlefield, you may exile target creature. If you do return that card to the battlefield under your owner's control at the beginning of the next end step, and it has cycling as well. That would actually be a good card I could use in my blink deck. Maybe we'd have to see. So it definitely excels more along the enchantments. The last one had a little bit more artifacts. This one has more enchantments. The last one focused around creating your human tokens. This one's going to focus more around your drawing and your cycling. Now, as we pull back to our final stop, we're going to get to the mana. And in the mana, it has, very similar to like the last one, it's going to be a lot of generic mana, a lot of specific mana to the deck, but it is going to have others, uh, a little bit more unique stuff as well. It has stuff like Command Tower, must need in any commander deck, just about. Super good, use it for any color of your commander's identity, always good. Uh, it has Reliquary Tower, which I really like it having in here. It has you have no maximum hand size, and when you have it in a draw deck, that just makes sense. Uh, it taps for a colorless, but that you have no maximum hand size is what you have it for. You don't have it for the color mana. It does have those generic ones I was talking about where you're going to get gain a life when you play this, or this enters tap, tap it for all three colors, different things like that. 
But then again, it does have bounce lands like the last one, and it is good, so you can get your bounce out, get uh, two mana instead of one, just to put a different mana to your hand for the turn. For the rest of the game, you get that ability. Always super good. This one has Is It Boil Works, which is tapped for a red and a blue once it's on the battlefield, and it also has Boris Garrison and Azorius Chancery. So this one definitely, I think, has all three of the color combination for the respective guilds that those come from, and the other two tap for a white-blue and a red-white. Those are all really good cards. Now, where it definitely is a little bit more unique in the mana compared to the last one is a lot of these manas have cycling, which, as I've talked about covering this entire deck, it just makes sense. Uh, so just having mana to have cycling, if you're getting mana flooded, being able to toss your mana draw, to draw a card is really good, and then you're playing off of the rest of your deck. So as we've pulled completely out now, as we look over this entire deck, I would say this is really good, actually. I'd put it a little bit above the last deck, based off of initial capabilities. It's still probably, I messed up on my tier when I said really good, I guess, but I'd still say it's probably a very good deck. It's not quite... It's somewhere in the middle, which is probably where most of these are going to lie. Uh, it definitely depends on your opinion. I would definitely modify this deck. I see uh, already some things that I think it definitely needs to, it could definitely do better on. There needs to be more cards in here to increase your maximum hand size. So having cards that give you no maximum hand size and stuff like that is going to be super good. There's a bunch of blue cards out there that can do that for you. I highly recommend it if you get this deck. Find those cards, put them in. Having no maximum hand size when you have a deck that's almost solely built based around drawing is going to be a really good idea. That's the first and biggest blaring edit I would say it would need. But overall, it's not bad. It's a good deck. I really enjoy being able to have cards that are double plays off the ability based off of what the deck theme is. That's why I liked the Morph deck, and that's the one I bought from that commander set. This one is probably the third one in line for the ones I'd buy. I might end up buying them all, but this is the one third in line. There's two other ones I want to buy more, which we'll cover later. While it's not a, a perfect deck, I do think it is, it's a good deck. Like I said with the last one, if you have never played Commander, it's a good way to start. Just get a pre-con, play it a couple times. You can kind of see how pre-cons or how Commander decks are gen generally built. Uh, and then you can go in and start making edits and meta modifications as you see fit. I like the ability. It's not as high as my radar. There's one commander deck out of these five specifically, which will be the last one I cover that I am most obsessed with. But it's still going to be really good and it'll treat you well. Commander decks are definitely priced appropriately, I'd say. About $40, $45, depending on where you go. With tax, without tax, somewhere in there. And you're getting a lot of really good stuff. I highly recommend uh, buying the pre-cons. Um... And just to even get good cards straight out of it, I definitely think they're priced appropriately. So I kind of uh, touched a little bit into what I want to do into these. I got a little bit more in-depth uh, into these commander decks, what I think that, that they're doing right, what I think they're designed to do, uh, my opinions on what could be done better. Let me know what you guys think. Uh, I love uh, hearing everybody's ideas when it comes to decks and building and strategies when it comes to those buildings and how, what kind of synergy you could produce. These two decks aren't bad, and if you really like them, go out and buy them. I recommend it. It's uh, always worth it. But as it comes down to it, uh, that'll be the episode for today. I want to thank you guys for, for listening. Please go to anywhere you listen to podcasts. I ask you uh, as as kindly as I possibly can to please, you know, go give me a review. Let me know what you think about these episodes, what they could be done better, what you thought I did good. It'll help me improve uh, to make these better for people, as well as uh, will help me get my voice out to more people. I would truly appreciate it. Uh, but with that said, 
I want to thank you guys again. Thank you very much for, for listening, anyone that listened. Tell anybody you know about this, if they enjoy magic or if they want to hear more. Uh, or Please come back, check out my other episodes. You know, there'll be new episodes coming out on a weekly basis, usually every Wednesday. So thanks, thanks again. I love you guys very much, and I hope you have a beautiful day.